Well, hey, guys, I'm doing a trailer for some podcast friends of mine. These guys once posted a promo for Gangland Wire on one of their shows. And that show was called Gangster Capitalism. I really liked their shows. They had three seasons at the time. So I agreed to reciprocate. They didn't charge me anything as long as I would do something for them. And, you know, I'd be quite honest, I saw a pretty big response in my numbers of listeners. And so I want to work really hard here to repay them. I've already ran, you've heard, if you've listened to the last two episodes, I've already ran a couple of short promos and, and now I want to do a little longer one. Now they have a new podcast called The Set. It's a documentary style podcast that we all like so well. The first one I ever got hooked on was Serial, I think was the name of it. And it's like, dang, I like this. So if you remember the 1990s and the crack epidemic that hit every major city in the United States, you'll relate to this story. 1990, for example, was the most violent year on record in New York City and probably Kansas City, most ever major city. Crack cocaine was the king. I mean, it was crazy. It devastated neighborhoods. Gang wars over turf created a reign of terror. They were dropping bodies all over the place in every big city and particularly in New York City. And at that time, in 1990, I supervised a tactical response squad in the Metro Patrol District, which was right in the heart of, you know, crack town. And, and we were on the front lines. We served a lot of high-risk search warrants on crack houses. And, and sometimes even they found a wait house for us. And we helped narcotics follow crack dealers around. And following these guys, we had a bunch of gangbangers that came in from California. And they were bloods, the Inglewood family bloods or something like that. And they all said showed up on the on the scene and so we're following these guys around we find their we find their actually their weight house and and what was weird is when we hit them with a search warrant they had we found out later they had just taken several kilos of cocaine out it was just a fluke we couldn't get the search warrant in time we were pretty sure it was in there something was in there because they just got back from california and, you know, on these search warrants like that one and all the rest of them, we found some kind of guns, always some kind of guns, you know, from good guns to a few guns to a crappy old gun. But we always found some kind of gun. And in all the search warrants we did during the two years I did this, uh, we only had one shootout. So, that's you know, that's pretty good. This podcast called The Set, it's in the West Harlem neighborhood of Manhattan, and it was the epicenter of New York's war on drugs. The 30th Precinct was like Metro Patrol, was nestled right in the heart of West Harlem. This neighborhood only covered about a square mile. You know, they got a high concentration of people in one square mile in Manhattan. And then the only barrier protection between the dealers and the residents was the 3 And that was, they were the thin blue line on the front lines of the war on drugs. But on which side of the line the 3 guys were really fighting on would be questionable and it would rip open a scar as old as the city. Corruption goes way back. And when you got all this money flowing around, it's going to happen. We had it a little bit here, not on any big basis, but we had a little bit here. The Dirty 30, 30th Precinct would become known as, became the biggest corruption scandal in NYPD history. The set is a story of that infamous neighborhood and as told by those who lived it. It's predators, it's investigators, it's coppers, it's drug dealers, it's residents, the one, the stalkers and the stalked, and all about a turf war that threatened to blow it all up. You know, I understand that temptation. Uh, we found thousands and thousands of cash money and car stops and search warrants, but we always, it just wasn't worth it to me. I, I think if we'd have found maybe a million dollars or something, I don't know, boy, that wouldn't even be worth it because that much money, somebody's got to raise a huge thing. 
if it disappears. But I don't, it just wasn't worth it. Uh, I wasn't raised like that. But some people were tempted. And we had a group of young kids one time in Kansas City that found what we called a cash stash house. And pretty soon the neighborhood was flooded with new tracksuits and high-end sneakers, the best sneakers you could buy. Went out to this one shopping mall that all these kids went to back when malls were still being used. And, and we found out from the different store owners, especially the uh, uh, Nike store and stores like that, these kids were coming in with thousands of dollars in their pockets and just buying shoes out the butt and buying track shoes out the butt, then taking them back to the neighborhood and giving them to their friends and all over the neighborhood. They were the they were the neighborhood heroes at this point in time. We also, at the same time, had informants and they ripped off a stash house. They ripped off a whole bunch of cash from a drug dealer. And we found out who the drug dealer was. We also found out who he was sending out. He was sending out guys and asking questions and they were narrowing down who these kids were as bet we frantically were trying to find these kids and they were laying low. They quit staying at home. They started staying with friends and moving around and, and the drug dealers were going after him. We were going after him. We needed to get them before the drug dealers found him. We found him and one of the narcotics administrative detectives got in touch with the dealer that lost the money and had a sit down with him. It was like a mob old school, had a sit down with him and said, hey, you know, we got these kids. We know you're trying to find them. The money's gone. We've checked. And as far as we can tell, the money's all gone and the kids are gone. And, you know, you you need to leave them alone. These kids can never repay you. And if anything happens to them, it's going to be bad news for you. We're going after you big time. He he actually, believe it or not, and nothing happened. The kids went back home and started living their lives again. Now, that's not to say they didn't get beat up once in a while later on, but nothing, nobody was killed over the deal. I remember one time we started watching a bar owner who we had heard was involved with drugs, cocaine particularly, and and we also noticed that he had motorcycle gang members hanging out there a lot. Did a pin register on him, which is a device that tells whatever who's calling you and who you're calling. We found a couple of these biker guys that he was calling real regularly. Got another informant that says, yeah, he's they're in the cocaine business together. Go look at his house. He's got a brand new swimming pool, brand new expensive car. Uh-oh, dead giveaway for new money. So we went to work on him, put up a, a pole camera on him, actually watched him with these biker buddies coming over and going out on mo motorcycle rides and, you know, just trying to get a pattern so we can figure out, you know, who, uh, how the drugs were moving, how it was working, because that's all we had. We had no informants, nobody making any buys from him, and, and he was more on a wholesale basis with these motorcycle gang guys. I believe it was uh, Galloping Gooses and L4 Steros. I can't remember which right now. One day I came in and one of my guys came to me and he said, hey, he said, Michael Calderello died of a cocaine overdose last night at his house. I just picked up the reports from the dog watch guys and his girlfriend was there with him and said that, you know, he was shooting cocaine just and then he died. He had a heart attack or heart seizure or something and he died. So we put it all together, all of our other probable cause about him being involved in the drug business and the fact that. He was shooting cocaine, so that means there's cocaine in the house because they have secured the house ever since the death. Serve the search warrant. We'll find a kilo right away. Serve a search warrant on his club. Don't find anything in there. But having that access to big cash money and spending it right away on ostentatious things like the swimming pool and the new really expensive car, it's a dead giveaway. 
did give away for new money and new money, you know, pick up something else and said, hey, they're dealing cocaine. You're going to go after them. You know, we had a young cop during that time started being seen with some unsavory kind of drug folks. And they even served a search warrant one time and didn't find any drugs in there. And he was in the house and he went on a trip and we got a call from Los Angeles PD. And they said they found him at a hotel where a lot of drugs are being kind of like a, a drug market in around this hotel. And he was staying there. So I'm with some drug people out there, but still didn't have enough. Finally, we, we tried to set him up on a, a, a sting like deal. We left some money unsecured and then sent him on a call into an apartment, kind of made it look like it might be a drug house. And, and he went in and the money disappeared. We tried to, and it was marked, of course, and we had the serial numbers. He got back to the station and he must have smelled a rat because he got rid of that money because they snagged him at the station and they didn't have the money. But our hand was tipped then and, and they just they had some other things on him. They just moved on him. And I think he went ahead and resigned. About a year later, they caught him in another drug house and he with cocaine, with crack cocaine. And he was he was part of the selling of it at that point in time. So it was a crazy time. And this new podcast takes you right in the belly of that beast, the crack wars and the corruption that follows. Find the set on your favorite podcast app now. I'll have links to it in the show notes and listen to this little trailer from the set. Thanks, guys. Um, you know what? After fucking 30 some odd years, you would think that like you got to get over it. But apparently not. I, I just, I, I'm not a bad guy, man. I made a mistake and I fucking went down a wrong path. And I'm not a bad guy. But, Zach, I mean, the story should be told. From Odyssey Podcasts, I'm Zach Levitt, the creator of Root of Evil, Gangster Capitalism, and Relative Unknown. And this is a story about a time that New York City would like to forget. Dangerous times in New York City. The biggest city in America is on the ropes. On the streets of New York, it's called crack, and the deals go down quickly. It was the most violent year in the city's history, the height of the crack era. There were no opportunities. You got into the game back then. Yo, you had no choice. But if you're moving coke, you're making money hand over foot, baby. Entire neighborhoods had been transformed into open-air drug markets. But for some criminals brazen enough, even the dealers became marks. Was it a common practice to break into apartments which were suspected drug locations? Yes. Why would you break into these apartments? For money, for drugs, whatever was in there. Weren't you ever afraid of getting caught at doing this? No. Who's going to catch us? We're the police. We Americans have an endless fascination with police stories. Well, there's a police story being told here in New York that is so shocking, you couldn't make it up. The New York City Police Department was keeping a secret. Instead of locking up drug dealers, some cops were out on the streets competing with them. I would suit up in my uniform and you're going out on fucking patrol. What are we going to do tonight? Well, we're going to rob some drug dealers. And uh, I know how to do it really well. 
But even worse, the NYPD knew and allowed it to happen. They saw their role as protecting the department, not rooting out corrupt cops. A special commission was formed to investigate the police department itself. And what it uncovered would shake the city to its foundation. It was a Banana Republic precinct operating in the city of New York. It was unbelievable. In New York City tonight, a major scandal for the nation's largest police force. This is the inside story of one of the biggest police corruption scandals in NYPD history and the investigation that uncovered it all. We told them that we wanted them to wear a wire. They only got them on a few things. They didn't get them on everything. And he said, okay. All told for the first time by the people who lived it. Did you consider yourself a rat? 100%. I saved my soul just like everybody else does. I'm not a bad guy, man, but I, 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 I can't explain it, man. I loved being that dirty motherfucker. Welcome to The Set, a documentary podcast series from Odyssey. Available now on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your shows. The fucked up world and a fucked up department. Well, that was interesting. They had some really good interviews on that with, with the people right out of the mouths of the men that did it, as we used to say on this. I try to do that, but, you know, I don't have a big budget, so we have to have to depend on who we can get to cooperate and do it over the phone. But anyhow, that's uh, it, it's a fun podcast. I highly suggest you listen to the entire series of the set. And don't forget, I like to ride motorcycles, so watch out for motorcycles when you're out there. If you have a problem with PTSD and you've been in the service, go to the VA website. So thanks a lot, guys. Oh, one other thing. I forgot about Anthony Ruggiano, and he's a drug and alcohol counselor down in uh, Florida. So if you've got a problem with drugs or alcohol, get a hold of Anthony Ruggiano via his website. He's got a hotline number. So finally, thanks a lot, guys.